In the year 1008, as a final show of power against the persistent Viking invasions that had harried England for decades, a vast armada of ships was ordered to be built by King Ethelred. By early 1009, a huge army, potentially as many as 10,000 men, had assembled on the southern coast, accompanied by a vast fleet of 80 ships, perhaps the largest fleet ever yet assembled by an English king. Within a matter of weeks, however, a dispute between two English eldermen, Britric, the brother of the king's chief enforcer, Edric Striona, and a Sussex lord named Wolfnoth, resulted in infighting between elements of the fleet. In the ensuing carnage, much of the armada was destroyed by a combination of bad weather and burning by enemies when they came ashore. In response, Ethelred supposedly ordered his men to simply disband and return to their shires, without ever facing the enemy they had been drawn together to fight. Unfortunately for the inhabitants of Kent, Thorkel the Tall, a ruthless warrior lord who had spent decades carving himself out a reputation in the icy waters of the Baltic Sea, was now on a murderous rampage, allegedly in the wake of his brother's death at the hands of the English. He was on his way to their shores. Thorkel was a ferocious warrior, probably the leader of the legendary brotherhood known as the Jomsvikings, the scourge of seas from the Baltic to Iceland. He brought with him a large force of brutal professional warriors, blooded from decades of war in the frozen seas of the north, and probably possessing a decent knowledge of England too, at least some of them having served there during the maelstrom of violence that had become the norm over the past three decades. The failure of Ethelred's armada, coupled with the timely arrival of Thorkel, had the effect of eroding away the last vestiges of confidence in the English king. By 1011, Thorkel's warriors had overrun Kent, East Anglia, Oxfordshire, Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire, Buckinghamshire, Surrey, Berkshire, Hampshire, and even Wiltshire. Many of the men present had probably operated in England for decades, and as such, they knew how to avoid large settlements with garrisons and armies, yet harried the countryside at will in search of plunder and money. Ethelred may have been king, but he was not the only important leader within England at this time. He had a large number of sons, most of whom seemed to have been war leaders in their own right, likely having participated in various unrecorded battles and skirmishes against the marauding Danes and Norwegians during this period. Three of these sons, Egbert, Eardred and Edgar, all named after famous West Saxon kings of the past, are recorded as having died between 1005 and 1012, potentially from wounds incurred in battle. Yet the eldest son, Athelstan, named after the greatest king of all, survived. 
Athelstan Atheling was already a grown man by this time, a warrior prince and the designated royal heir for his entire life. Named after the great English warrior king of nearly a century earlier, by most accounts, Athelstan seems to have been a man of great renown during his lifetime, yet very little record of his deeds remains today. It seems that during the late 1000s and early 1010s, confidence may have shifted dramatically away from King Ethelred, and at least in part went towards his eldest son and heir, who may have seemed a better prospect to some in defeating the invading Danes. It's thought that Athelstan raised his own army at this time, supported by many disillusioned English eldermen, and most notably the leading thanes of the Five Boroughs, the eastern part of Mercia, now ruled over by an Anglo-Danish nobility. This is evidenced by Athelstan's will of 1014, which granted swords and lands to his main supporters. It seems that Athelstan had fostered a strong affinity with the English Danes of the Danelaw, who perhaps had been largely alienated by Ethelred, especially after his famous order to kill all of the Danes in England in 1002, in what would become known as the St Bryce's Day Massacre. Most prominent of these Anglo-Scandinavian supporters of Athelstan perhaps being the Thanes, Sigfirth and Morcar of the Five Boroughs, and Thurbrand, another prominent Northumbrian Dane. Athelstan's brother Edmund, later known as Ironside for his valour in battle, was also present, receiving a gilded longsword that had once belonged to the great Mercian warrior king Offa of centuries past. Whilst Ethelred seems to have responded to the new era of raiders from beyond the sea by attempting to kill off the existing Danish elements within England en masse, it seems that Athelstan instead attempted to bridge the gap between the Danelaw and his native heartlands of Wessex. He numbered many an Anglo-Dane amongst his ranks, most of whose families had lived in England for as many as three generations or more. For many Anglo-Danes, king from Wessex seems to have been the more obvious choice, rather than the unknown quantity of invaders from their ancestral homelands, such as Thorkel the Tall, or the Norwegian prince Olaf Tryggvason, who themselves tended to not discriminate between English and Scandinavian, harrying the lands of both in equal measure. It seems that many of the lords Athelstan was amassing around himself were staunchly opposed to Ethelred. The Thanes, Sigfirth and Morcar, both being relatives of the elderman Elfhelm, who had been murdered by Ethelred's chief enforcer, Edric, in 1006. Likewise, Thurbrand was a chief rival to Ethelred's leading man in Northumbria, Uhtred. Another notable supporter of Athelstan was Godwin, the son of the Sussex elderman Wolfnoth and another enemy of Ethelred's chief enforcer, Edric. Thus, during Thorkel's ravaging of England during the early 1010s, a quasi-state of civil war had taken a hold of England, 
and one which might have seen Ethelred deposed by his own son had it gone on for longer. By 1012, however, in a rather curious move, after being unable to stop his own inebriated men from pelting the Archbishop of Canterbury to death with animal bones, Thorkel suddenly and dramatically stopped his raiding and went over to Ethelred's camp as a mercenary, bolstering the king's army in London. For want of a better option, Athelstan and his warriors seem to have opted to remain in their strongholds in the five boroughs, as the two sides sharpened their swords for the inevitable conflict to come, leaving England effectively divided in the aftermath of Thorkel's invasion. Within weeks, however, yet another fleet was sighted off the shores of East Anglia, this time led by a king. It was Svein Forkbeard, overlord of Denmark and parts of Norway, returning to Britain with a fresh army to wreak havoc and ultimately with the goal of adding England to his Scandinavian empire. Unlike Thorkel, there would be no negotiating with this army. Svein landed in Northumbria, quickly asserting himself as the foremost power in the region, successfully winning over the support of the Northumbrian and East Anglian nobles, including Ethelred's chief man, Uhtred, who had no choice but to comply. Svein then descended upon the king in London, still apparently backed by Thorkel, who himself was a potential rival to Svein's power in Denmark. After a short confrontation, Ethelred fled the country, sailing across the Channel to Normandy, leaving Svein as the new king of England, Denmark and Norway, briefly forging a Danish North Sea Empire for the first time in history. Little is known of Athelstan Atheling's actions during this time, but it seems, for lack of a better option, he remained in England, along with his brothers Edmund and Eadwig. perhaps biding his time to see what would happen between Svein and Ethelred. What did transpire couldn't have been predicted by anyone. Within just a few short months of claiming the kingship, Svein died. In a matter of days, his newly forged empire collapsed. Norway falling back into the hands of local Norse rulers, and Denmark being claimed by his son, Harald leaving the Witten of Wessex to make the curious decision in early 1014 of inviting Ethelred back to reclaim his throne. He promised to rule in a better and a more just way than before, and was sworn back into office. It seems probable that Athelstan had remained the de facto ruler of parts of eastern England during this time, still backed up by the English and Anglo-Scandinavian elements loyal to him rather than Ethelred. Just a few months later, however, in summer 1014, after making a will consisting of much of his battlefield equipment gathered over the years, Athelstan Atheling, before ever having the chance to become King of England, succumbed to the all-too-common tendency for West Saxon rulers to die early, joining Swain Forkbeard in the grave. True to the family feud that seems to have been tearing England apart at this time, 
Athelstan made no mention of his father's new Norman wife, Emma, in his will, nor his younger half-brothers, Edward and Alfred, though he did mention his father. Athelstan was deemed so important a figure that he was buried at the traditional resting place of the West Saxon kings, the Old Minster Church in Winchester, the first burial there of a family member who was not a king since Edward the Elder's brother, Ethelweird, back in 922. Though Athelstan died in 1014, his faction lived on, the leadership passing to his younger brother and close ally, Edmund, who became the new heir to the throne. Rather than fade away, support for Edmund only increased, as Ethelred again seems to have acted in an indecisive and poor manner. Before long, however, another, even larger Danish force arrived in England, this time led by Svein's son, Canute, who had arrived to stake his own claim to the English throne. Between 1014 and 1016, battles raged on between the three factions, with Edmund's forces doing the most of any to battle Canute, as his father remained besieged in London. For the most part, enmities seem to have remained strong between Ethelred and Edmund's camps, with the brothers Morcar and Sigfirth being murdered by Edric Striona in 1015, their lands seized. Edmund responded by marrying Morcar's widow, and thus claimed his extensive lands in the five boroughs. When Ethelred died in 1016, it was Edmund who became the new king, keeping his brother's legacy alive and earning himself the name Ironside for his valour in battle, and very nearly defeated the invasion force of Canute. In the aftermath of Canute's victory over Ironside at Ashingdon in 1016, and his eventual coronation at Christmas, although he purged large numbers of English nobles, he allowed several steadfast supporters of Ironside to live, even bringing those that he recognised as remaining loyal to the very end, such as Godwin, into his own fold. Those deemed to have been fickle in their allegiances, such as Uhtred and Edric Striona, were killed, even after pledging their loyalty to Canute. Canute reformed the governance of England, passing rule to a select few lords, who then became hereditary overlords of their domains, ruling on behalf of the Danish crown. Chief amongst these was one of the young supporters of Athelstan Atheling, Godwin, who over the decades to come would eventually become the most powerful magnate in England, operating as the power behind the throne to Canute, Canute's sons, and ultimately, to Ethelred's son, Edward the Confessor, when the line of Wessex was restored for a brief time in 1042. In the 1060s, Godwin's son, Harold, would come agonisingly close to establishing the family as the new ruling dynasty of England, before he was ultimately defeated by William the Conqueror's invasion in 1066, which saw the end of the Anglo-Saxon Age. This is a brand new podcast, so if you like what you heard, the best way to help the show out is to leave a review on iTunes. This is the best way for new podcasts to grow, and for people to find the show. 
You can also find tons more historical material over on the History Time social media links. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. If you really like what you heard and want to help me to keep making new podcasts, videos and articles, then the best way to help is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash historytimeuk. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll help me to keep making material, get sneak previews of what I'm working on, and gain the opportunity to vote on upcoming videos and podcasts. I'm Pete Kelly, and you've been listening to History Time. See you on the next one.